right, go ahead and uh, open up your Bibles to 1 John. We're in chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 15 through 17 today. We're only doing three verses in this passage. I know we've been, we've been tackling some, some uh, weighty passages, and uh, as just kind of trekking through this chapter... Um, three verses stopped me in my tracks, and I don't think we need to go any further until we address these three verses. So, um, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 is where we're going to be. Um, so go ahead and find your way there. Help your neighbor if, if they're having troubles getting there. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. So, in middle school, first off, I just need to ask... Um, I don't know the names of them anymore because I've slept since then. You used to be able to like have these skateboards with your fingers. Tech decks. Tech decks. Is that what they're called? Or that, that's the brand, right? Is that what they're actually called? Yeah. Okay. That was, is that still a thing? Yes. They are. Yeah. I'm surprised. Um, a few people. Yeah? <laughs> so like three people out of your... No, no. They're probably the coolest kids. They're, they were fun little dealies to play with. And so in middle school, um, I had a, I'm not even going to say he was a friend. He wasn't a friend. <laughs> so wow. He was a peer. We weren't, I mean, it's not being me. I'm just, we just weren't friends. <laughs> so um, we weren't friends. We were just peers. And this kid, I don't know why or how I believed him, why I believed him. He said that he could get me. And for some reason, I wanted one, but I didn't have one. And he promised me that he would just give me one for free, one of these tech decks. And I was like, that's awesome. This is going to be great. And so the next day, he says he's going to bring it with him. And I asked the kid, hey, do you have the tech deck? And he was like, yeah, it's in my locker. I'm like, great. He's like, I'll bring it to social studies. This is awesome. What a great day this is. And so I'm... You know, thinking this kid is just going to give me a tech deck for free. It's going to be great. We get to social studies. Do you have the tech deck? Yeah, it's in my pocket. I'll give it to you after class. Awesome. This is, gonna, this is going so well. Like, yeah, the, you guys know where this is going. I, like, eventually, like, try to ask this kid for this tech deck that he promised me. His word. Gave me his word, guys. Like, your word means something. And so he, I know, you're shaking your head. This, you're like, Adam, don't believe this kid. I shouldn't have. I got in trouble because I kept asking him where the tech deck was, and he never had it on him. Didn't even have it. Wasn't even with him. But he promised it to me, and it devastated me. I was so, I was confused, <laughs> right? I was like, I'm a sixth grader, so I'm just like, almost like, lower lip quivering like crying like, a, like I'm so mad right now and it was like I just don't understand why he would promise me something I didn't punch him no I I no I, no I so we took a bad turn here guys um no I didn't do any of that but it hurt because he promised me how many of you guys have ever been promised something and that person that promised you something did not pull through for you. It happens sometimes. And it's like, it's, that hurts. Why? Because it's a, it's a promise. Like, 
you shouldn't have you didn't have to promise me you know but but you did it's like your word like obligated you to pull through because you promised me and it's like there's some people that are just like man if you break a promise that's serious stuff right and it's not out of bounds for someone to hold someone to something if they promise them because they promised <laughs> so it's, it's so devastating when you're promised something and yet it doesn't happen it just takes the winds out of your sails and you know it does because it's happened I want to open up with this one truth tonight it's short you can write it down I'll still repeat it 17 times we're gonna get this all right the world offers us something it cannot give the world offers us something it cannot give. Now see, I'm telling you this, and, and you already know this is the case, right? I know that the world is promising me X, Y, and Z, but then I know, I'd like to think that I know that that's the, that's the case. The world offers us something it cannot give. So I just want to go ahead and dive into the passage. We have a lot of work to do. It's only three verses, but we have a lot of work to do. All right, so I'm going to read the verse in its entirety, or the passage. And I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive in. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Let me pray for us. God, uh, man, to hear that the world is offering us something it cannot give, it just... God, may we just cling more closely to you. God, may we place our hope and our trust. Uh, may we bank on your promises, God. Not of this world. Um, speak to us tonight through your word. God, may it just be resounding in our hearts, God, even when we leave this place, that we would walk away from here with application, with confidence, God, in who you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Alright, so, so first glance at this passage. I just read it, so I'm not going to read it again and, and, and for a little bit. But um, first glance, it may appear that John is like chastising his readers for something that they're doing wrong. Like, you guys are loving the world. Like, it may sound like that. Like, stop loving the world. Like, you're doing something wrong. But it's more so a warning than a lecture. You ever gotten a lecture from your parents about something you did? Right? It's different than a warning. Like if they were to warn you about something, it hasn't happened yet, but a lecture is like you did something wrong and now I'm telling you not to do that thing. So this is not a lecture like you did this wrong. It's more so a warning he's placing in front of his brothers and sisters here. So he's doing a warning. These people, like we've said, are his brothers and sisters and they know God. All right, and we talked about that last week, how um, they know God. And, and John even gave them the assurance Here's how you can know that you know God, right? And it's through what? 
Obedience, yeah. Thank you, Clayton. Yeah, how can you know that you know God? Through keeping his commands, through obedience. So John's writing to people that already know God. They claim Jesus. They know that they know God, and John wants to ensure that they do not fall in love with the world. So in this passage, John is not talking about the world as in the world that God created, okay? So, because guess what? God, God loved the world, right? So John's not telling his readers, hate the world that God created, because God created the world, and he, and he called it good. And God loves the world. Then John's telling him, don't, don't love the world as in this worldview perspective that's led by the evil one. Don't love the world's point of view. It's not the fact that hate, hate the cosmos, which is like everything God created. Don't, I'm not saying hate that. God created all that, and it's beautiful, and it's good. But the world's perspective is off-kilter, right? Your friends that don't know Jesus are pointing you in a direction that's counter to what God has for you. Not because your friends are the enemy, but because they don't know God. So John is talking about the worldview perspective that's led by Satan. And in our Christian culture, you may hear it referred to a lot as, well, they have a worldly view on things. Right? You ever heard that? They just, they just have a worldly perspective. They love the world. It's often misunderstood. Like this, this whole, that worldly perspective is often misunderstood. John's not telling us to reject the culture we live in. Have you heard that before? Hate the culture? There's so much beauty in our culture. There's so much uniqueness. And God created each one of us so incredibly differently that different cultures are actually wonderfully beautiful. Um, John's not telling us to hate the culture that we live in. The culture that we live in actually reflects the glory, goodness, and gifts of God. And John's telling you and I tonight that we're not to love and idolize worldly thoughts, perspectives, Values and behaviors that are contrary to God's word and his will for our life. See, the love of the world is incompatible with the love for God. The love of the world is incompatible with the love for God. So in this passage, John highlights three things that the world cannot deliver. So that's what I'm going to write up here on the board. Is, uh, as you're taking notes, I want to write this out with you. So um, if you're taking notes, number one, the world cannot give you what you need. The world cannot give you what you need. So this is a, a rarity. You're going to see how uh, eloquent my penmanship is. What you need. That is beautiful, right? Yeah, it's a uh, print. Don't do cursive anymore. I quit that a long time ago. Um, the world cannot give you what you need. And we find this in verse 15. Verse 15, uh, the world cannot give you what you need. Uh, verse 15, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Sin Sin does this, right? Like sin, the world cannot give us what we need. It just can't. The world cannot give us what we need. And where 
That's right. Where do we get what we need? Yeah, where do we get what we need? Jesus. Someone said. <laughs> um, it depends on the needs, honestly, of what you think that you need. But I know with certainty that God will give us everything we need when we need it. Um, the world does provide for us in some ways. The world does grow resources, um, all of our basic necessity resources. But I think also God is the creator of those things, and God gives us what we need when we need it. Um, so it's a good question, Tyler. Um, but the world cannot deliver us. Like The world cannot promise us this, that I will give you what you need. The world can't do it. Sin, um, Christian author and pastor Mark Batterson says this. He says that sin overpromises and underdelivers. Sin always does that. It overpromises. If you do this, you will be happy. If you do this, you will finally feel joy. If you do this, you will be accepted. This is how you will become popular. This is how you'll get this success. Like the sin overpromises. And then you indulge in sin. And then what does sin say? I can't believe you would do that. You know? Like you, you call yourself a Christian. Sin over promises. This is how you'll be fulfilled. Partake. And so you do. You bite the apple. And then all of a sudden what happens? I cannot believe you. How incredibly cruel is that? Sin overpromises, underdelivers every time. And here's what happens, guys. We get so transfixed on feelings. Well, I want to be happy. I deserve that. I deserve to feel this way. I want to be accepted. I want to be noticed. I want to be heard. I want to be loved. And those are God-given feelings. And, and those things that God gave us are good. God created and declared his creation good. But when we take good things and make them God things, it becomes a very bad thing. Whenever we take a good thing that God created and we make it a God thing, like we idolize it, like I want to feel happy. God created the emotion of happiness. But if we take happiness and put it on the throne and say, I want to worship the God of happiness, that's bad. <laughs> like, just to put it simply, like, Taking a good thing, making it a God thing, is a very bad thing. It doesn't work out. So it begs the question that I want us to wrestle with tonight. What good things have you made God things? What good things have you made God things? Secondly, the world cannot give you what it promises. Verse 16. We find this in verse 16. The world cannot give you what it promises. Verse 16 says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
And the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this verse here, because this verse is incredibly powerful. This verse, John gives us a sneak peek into the enemy's playbook. He gives us a look into, inside Satan's bag of tricks right here with three things. He says that there are these tactics that Satan uses, and there's three of them, and they're in verse 16. So I want you to identify the three tactics in verse 16 and tell your neighbor. What are the three tactics that Satan uses in verse 16? And let your neighbor know. Hearing some good discussion over here because I think you guys are getting it. You guys are tracking over here. So, is this verse 16? This is verse 16. Yep. All right, so John tells us, here's what, here is Satan's tactics right here. Don't miss this, guys. Lust of the flesh. If you're taking notes, lust of the flesh. This appeals to our appetites, our cravings, lust, and passions. The lust of the flesh. The second tactic that Satan uses, lust of the eyes. This appeals to our affections. The eyes are a window to our mind and our soul, which sinful desires enter in. And then there's the pride of life, or pride in one's possessions. This appeals to our ambitions. We can boast about possessions in order to gain or impress others. You know, you know what it's like. It's an effort to glorify yourself rather than to glorify God. So, so get this. This was super fascinating. I was nerding out in my office um, the last couple days finding this out. The reality is that all three of these things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these three things are found inside each one of us. Surprise! Warm and fuzzies, go and be merry. You know, like, these are all found inside of us, but these three things were also found in Genesis 3 when sin entered the world. Genesis 3, 6 says this. Check this out. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. And delightful to look at, lust of the eyes. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, pride of life. Just in that one verse, it reveals the tactics that the enemy was using. It had a grip. The good news here is that these three weapons that wage war in our hearts, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These three things that wage war in our hearts, it was present in Genesis 3, and that's how sin entered into the world. But these weapons that the enemy uses was conquered by Jesus. Luke 4, 1 through 13, explains that Jesus was in the wilderness to be tempted, and Satan beckoned Jesus to turn the stone into bread. Lust of the flesh. Then Satan showed Jesus all of his kingdom, lust of the eyes, 
And finally, the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down and the angels will save you. The pride of life. Like those three tactics in Genesis 3 against Adam was also used against Jesus. What in Scripture, like it may be called as the second Adam. Jesus was tempted just as Adam was. And Jesus conquered the enemy's tactics to cause us to sin. So yes, those things do wage war within us. But Jesus conquered those sins where we don't have to do it on our own strength. It's such incredibly good news that even these tactics are as old as dirt. And they're still effective and used by the enemy often. But we need to recognize the playbook of the enemy and resist Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit and through God's Word. Lastly, the world cannot give you what will last. This is in verse 17. The world cannot give you what will last. Verse 17 says this, And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains what? Remains forever. John is painting a clear picture to not give your life to things that don't matter. Because he says the world's passing away. Don't give your life to a dying cause. Why give your life to an empty, cheap imitation, a worthless, fake, temporary illusion? Like the world's passing away. The world is trying to offer us something it cannot give. And the world's passing away. Only one thing will truly last in this life, and it's doing the will of God. And how long does that remain? Forever. What does that mean for you and me? Adam, that sounds great. I want to do the will of God, but I'm in seventh grade. What, what does that even look like? To do the will of God, because that remains forever. What does that look like? Instead of focusing on yourself, focus on God. Instead of trying to live comfortably, realize that life is not about comfort, but rather about doing hard things now and reaping the benefits later. Instead of making a name for yourself, make Jesus famous. Instead of doing what makes you happy, do what honors and pleases God. Instead of serving only when you feel like it or when it's convenient, be a servant at all times. Don't ever punch out when it comes to serving. I mean, there's so many things we can do when it comes to doing the will of God. And I think oftentimes we make it harder than what it really is. But man, what if we just sat in our rooms before school and we just sat there open-handed and we just asked God, 
God, would you help me to do your will today? And you may pray that and you're like, I don't even know what that looks like. And that's okay. But man, if you just like, man, God, would you help me do your will today? Would you help me accomplish what you want to accomplish? Man, if we, God, forgive, forgive me for trying to make a name for myself. Help me make you famous, God. There's so many things we can do. So let me close with this. I was having lunch with a buddy who was going through a hard time. And he uh, was trying to indulge in things that were not going to help. I'll put it that way. And I was telling him, and it was a, it was, he was just jumping into a, a relationship that he and I both, both knew wouldn't be beneficial. And I, I didn't prepare to tell this to him. I just had the prompting to tell him, and I want to tell it to you guys today. Nothing, nothing will ever fill a Christ-sized hole in your heart. Other than Jesus. Nothing will ever fill a Christ-sized hole in your heart other than Jesus. Man, if I if I was told that in high school, Adam, the things you're chasing after will not provide what you think it will. The world cannot give you what it's offering. You have a Christ-sized hole in your heart and it can only be filled with Him. Everything else is temporary. The relationship, it's not, it's not going to fulfill you the way Jesus will. The addiction will not fulfill you the way Jesus will. The accomplishments will not fulfill you the way Jesus will. Nothing will ever fill that Christ-sized hole in your heart other than Jesus. Don't be fooled into thinking that you can fill the void in your heart with things of the world. It cannot satisfy and it will pass away. Love the Father with all your heart. See every room you enter in to be an opportunity to spread the love that God has showed you. Love the Father supremely who has loved you so deeply. And you will live a life of no regrets. And that is a promise that you can bank on. Let me pray for us. God, forgive us. God, we, our hearts are so prone to wander. God, I pray for that student here that has been grasping at straws trying to get that next thing that will just fulfill them or just ease their their pain. God, I pray that you, God, that they would surrender their life to you. God, that they would see you as the provider of their needs. You can provide everything we would ever need. So God, I, I just ask God for your forgiveness for our hearts and how they cling to things rather than to you. 
God, bless the time that we have in our small groups, God. Just allow the conversations, God, just to be authentic and real. May we open up and share so we can be truly free. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you ever just need to talk, need a chat, need someone to pray with, I'm here. Otherwise, um, you're dismissed to your small groups.